0: Welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show and today is January 23rd, and today we're going to look at Genesis 23. As a reminder, every day I read from one chapter from the Bible, and I ex- give you key ideas, themes, and the theology very briefly uh, my, my goal is, is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. And you know what? As you know, sometimes I'm successful in the 5 to 20 minute range and sometimes we go about 30 minutes. So, uh, let's get into our reading from Genesis 23 today. Let's begin our reading from God's Word, Genesis 23. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arabah, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs, and none of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of sight, hear me and entreat to me Ephraim, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machalba, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your, in your presence as property for a burying place. And now Ephraim was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephraim the Hittite answered at Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you, bury your dead. And then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephraim, in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I might bury my dead there. Ephraim answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead." Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out for Ephraim the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. And so the field of Ephraim and Machab, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with that cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machba, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that that is in it were made over to Abraham as a property for a burying place by the Hittites. Now, in this chapter, we see the death and the burial of Sarah. And as the story of Abraham's life draws to a conclusion, this chapter records how Abraham buys a cave in Hebron to be a burying place for Sarah. And by acquiring this plot of land, Abraham not only establishes future rights for it, for his family, but puts down a marker that descendants are to be associated with the land of Canaan as God had already promised in Genesis twelve seven, Genesis thirteen fourteen through seventeen, and Genesis fifteen eighteen through twenty one, uh, verse two, Kiriath Araba. It means town of four. It was later known as Hebron. Verse 3, Hittites. The designation Hittite was used in the ancient Near East to refer to at least three different people groups. Those mentioned in Genesis are probably to be distinguished from the Hittites who were later associated with Anatolia and with uh, Hebron. The city gate was common, the location where public decisions were formally made and and transactions between individuals were ratified, as we see in Ruth 4, 1-11. Verse 4, a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Well, Abraham's description of himself, it emphasizes his immigrant status. Even after 62 years of semi-nomadic existence in Canaan, Abraham has no permanent location to call his own. This is all the more noteworthy in light of god's repeated promises to abraham that his descendants will possess all the land of canaan the author of hebrews develops the idea that abraham chose to go on living in tents because he was looking for a city whose designer and builder is god as we see in hebrews eleven nine 9 through 10 verse 6 and in contrast to abraham's own assessment of his status the Hittites recognized his special relationship with the Lord and accord him the title, the Prince of God. And Abraham was probably well known to the inhabitants of Hebron, for he had a long association with this location. Out of a deep respect for Abraham, they generously offer him the use of one of the choices of their own tombs for the burial of Sarah. Verses eight through ten. Now, acknowledging their generosity, Abraham politely asks the Hittites to permit Ephraim, the son of Zo, to sell him at full value the Cave of Machpa as a burying place. And although Hebron is present when these discussions take place at the gate in verse ten, Abraham first seeks permission from the Hittite population as a whole this may have been necessary because abraham himself was not a hittite or because the transfer of property from one individual to another it requires the involvement of the whole people now according to tradition the cave at machba is located beneath the present mosque of abraham in hebron verses 11 through 16. Although Ephraim's initial response is to offer the field and the cave to Abraham for free, this may not have been revealed his true intentions because the second time he offers it, he casually interjects what would he, what he would consider a fair price in verse 15. Abraham insists that he will pay the full value of the property. And it's important that Abraham buys the property because an actual sale ensures that Abraham has full legal rights to the burial plot. And while ephraim sets the price at 400 shekels of silver in verse 15 abraham willingly accepts the weights of that amount and since the weight of a shekel could vary according to the weights current among merchants it's impossible for us to be certain about the precise value of the field in the cave now as a suggestion based on comparisons with first 1 kings sixteen twenty four 24 and jeremiah 32 9 was that this was a high price to pay, but one cannot be for certain. Uh, verse 20, Abraham's purchase of the field and the cave, it meant that his descendants would own this land forever. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebekah, and Leah would later be laid to rest in this cave. Abraham's wife, Sarah, reappears on this scene in our chapter today as the Genesis narrative begins a slow transition from the patriarch to his son Isaac. Having lived to the ripe old age of 127, Sarah dies and Abraham goes to mourn and to weep for her, as we see in the first two verses of this chapter. This is no small display of sadness on the part of the patriarch. The combination of the Hebrew words for mourn and weep mean that Abraham is bereaving according to the norms of his particular culture. And among other things, this may have included tearing his clothes and even shaving his head as we see in Job one twenty. 20 abraham loved his wife and was deeply grieved at her passing paul singles out uh, abraham as a man of faith in galatians 3 9 and we're not shocked to see him honor his wife in this way and though he temporarily dishonored sarah when he twice abandoned her to the harem of a foreign king in genesis 12 uh, he nevertheless persevered in love and honored his marriage vows until death did them part he shows us that those who fear God and keep their marital commitments and love their spouse, staying with them at hard times such as old age and sickness, they trust the Lord and other Christians uh, to hold them accountable to their vows. And as far as they're able, they work to preserve their relationship even when they may not feel like it. And when they stumble, they repent and endeavor to rejoice in the spouse of their youth, as we see in Proverbs five eighteen through 19 And now Sarah has lived a long life with the many ups and downs familiar to those on the Pilgrim Road. She died before the full realization of the promises of God, but God has shown himself faithful in her own lifetime. Many descendants have not yet come from her, but Isaac gave her hope that numerous offspring would indeed count her as their mother in Genesis 21. Sarah also likely has seen her husband established as a prince among men, as we see in verse 6, the first tangible proof of the Lord's pledge that she and her husband would bear kings as, as a promise given to her and her husband in Genesis 17:6. Now, in Hebrews 11, 11-13, we learn that Sarah died in the faith, providing a chance for Abraham to trust God in her death. The Lord takes vows made in His name extremely seriously. Those who swear oaths before the Lord must keep them, as long as the vow was not a pledge to commit sin as we see in Numbers 30. Consider the vows that you have sworn in your life, whether in marriage, signing a business contract, or other commitments. Make sure that you are doing all that you can to keep those vows. Find a godly person who will help keep you accountable and help you by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit to walk in a righteous manner in this area of your life. Now, during the era in which the patriarchs lived, it was customary for families to bury their dead in the ancestral land. If Abraham was to conform to this cultural norm, he would have returned to his country of origin. However, he negotiates for a burial place in Canaan instead, as we see in this chapter— His wife has died without seeing the full measure of the promises of God, and the same fate awaits him in due time, as we'll see in Genesis 25. But Abraham, in walking by faith and not by sight, is trusting that the same Lord who brought him out of Ur in Genesis 11 will also place the promised land into his hands and the hands of his offspring. And so he seeks to own just a small partial of this area as a pledge of greater things to come now the blessing of the creator upon abraham's life is evident and the hittites in hebron are willing to let him bury in one of their caves without the purchase of their property in verse six it it is not clear why they do not want to sell to abraham when when they first asked and perhaps they were like Abimelech and and feared what the mighty touch of god on the patriarch's life would mean for the future of their descendants Well, any move to stand in the way of Abraham, having a legal claim to the land, might thereby enable them to save their own skins. Or they knew a loan of land would obligate the patriarch and his descendants to serve them as lords and thus sought to establish some kind of feudal relationship with Abraham. And yet the patriarch will have none of this. After a period of pleasantries and negotiation, Ephraim sells a choice field to Abraham for the price of four hundred shekels of silver in Genesis twenty three sixteen. This likely price gouging on Ephraim's part as later saints are able to purchase land far more cheaply than Abraham was in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four and Jeremiah thirty two nine. Abraham knows that the whole land of Canaan is rightfully his, and in paying the price, he guarantees that his children will, will not be slaves to any Canaanite. This land was God's gift, and Abraham will not let any other take credit for his possession of even the smallest portion of it. John Calvin writes that he bought a f- the field in order that he might not possess a foot of the land by the gift of any man. Abraham had earlier gained rights to the well he dug in Beersheba in Genesis twenty-one twenty-five 25-34, but the plot he bought in this chapter was the first property he owned in Canaan. And in purchasing this land, he gave an inheritance to his descendants that assured them of the promises that were given to him for years to come today are you investing for the future spread of god's kingdom well i want you to consider how you might leave an inheritance for your children and the church to help further the gospel of christ now we would be hard pressed to find anyone who thinks that the way of the world is the way in which it was intended to function Well, consider death. If the cessation of life was truly natural, then why do we obsessively try to avoid it? Why do we ignore it or fight against it? If we thought death was necessary for true human existence, then we would not be found trying to prevent it, just as we're not trying to prevent the physical growth of our children. And furthermore, if death was just a normal stage of life, then surely we would celebrate it with the same joy as we experience when we commemorate the birth of a baby. As Christians, we know that death was not originally part of the created order, but crept in when Adam ate from the forbidden fruit in Genesis 2:16 through 17 And nevertheless, we're still sad when loved ones pass, because death means we lose for a time the intimacy we had with them. However, unlike those who do not trust Christ, for Christians, death is not, finally, a tragedy. Instead, we find the greatest opportunity of all to display our faith when we're face-to-face with the grave. This is precisely what we learn from Abraham in Genesis 23 the patriarch could have doubted god when sarah passed for she died without seeing the divine promises fulfilled and yet abraham persevered buying a burial plot as a sign of his confidence in the lord's blessing he and his wife would inherit canaan after their deaths if need be and in the meantime their bodies would lie on the ground not far from the place where sarah first heard she would be a part of the promise given uh, giving birth to isaac in genesis 18. As one commentator has said, their bones bore witness to the future generations of their hope that the Lord would do so much more for them at the resurrection than he did during their lives. We too may die before Jesus returns to the place, place the whole earth into the hands of his people. And yet our confidence in the Father enables us to know that all of his promises will surely come to pass, even if they must come after our lifetime." May we, like Abraham and Sarah, trust God to be faithful in life and death. Have you recently suffered the death of a loved one? Maybe you or or somebody you know has just been diagnosed with a terminal life-threatening disease. If you are struggling with sadness, go before the Lord and ask Him to renew your hope in His promises. Look to Abraham's grief as a model for how to persevere in difficult circumstances. And if death has, has not recently affected your life, go and offer support and encouragement to a grieving person. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. Today is January 23rd, and we've looked at uh, Genesis 23. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.